Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Uh, something that happened over the weekend, though, uh, that we talked a little bit about yesterday that was awesome, especially here in the state of Arkansas because we all love ourselves some John Daly, is the PNC Championship that happened in golf. And uh, not only did John Daly and his son John Daly II end up winning that, uh, but you also had some really cool things happening with Tiger Woods and his son Charlie going out there and hitting. So it was just a great overall event in the world of golf, and we're going to talk about that and a lot more right now as we go to the phone lines and welcome in Will Gray of the Golf Channel. And, Will, as always, man, appreciate you joining us. How you doing this afternoon, man? I'm good, John. Good to be with you. Uh, I guarantee there's only uh, one golfer in the world that would have us uh, talking about golf in the middle of December and the days before Christmas. And I think, uh, sadly for you guys, it's not John Daly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's what's funny is because, like, here in the state of Arkansas, like people like golf and people will – you know, watch Tiger Woods. And I think people there was a, a little bit of a an interest there. But when John Daly won it, it's like you, the University of Arkansas Razorback website had it up about John Daly and his son because his, his son's a freshman at the U of A. They were tweeting about it. Razorback fans were suddenly interested. It's like here in Arkansas, man, there's, there's golf fans. Don't get us wrong. But if you tell us that John Daly's going to be involved somehow, it suddenly spikes the interest a little bit. Oh, for sure. And it was great to see him. You know, that, it, it's really a cool format and, and a cool event, like you said, to see these guys kind of, you know, bridging generations and, and seeing how little John Daly swings so much like his dad. And, uh, they, they were certainly balling and, and pretty well, but, uh, you know, a lot of the fanfare, deservedly so, was, was out there with Tiger and Charlie. And, and a lot of people were interested to see, you know, what Tiger had to tank. It was, it was amazing to see him even upright and swinging a golf club, given, uh, you know, where he's been over the last 10 months. Yeah, so let's talk about Tiger. I mean, that to me was the best part about this is because it seemed, you know, it's been so long. Like, he, he got in that car accident, and obviously all the fears that came along with it, will he ever be able to, to golf again? There was a time where people didn't know if he'd ever be able to walk again. There, there was just a lot of concerns. And here we are, uh, just a, a little over a year, and he's out there playing golf with his son in, in, a, in, a, in a great event, and looks to be uh, at least playing enough and healthy enough to go out there. So what did you just make of Tiger and, and his swings and uh, the way he was playing? And, you know, is it something that is very encouraging to think he'll get back on tour here soon? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that competing in this event with his son is 36 holes. He's, he's in a cart. It's, it's a big difference from competing in a PGA Tour event. I think that this was certainly hopeful to see what he was able to do and how he was able to – to swing the club, but I think that at the end of the day, it's going to be, you know, interesting to see how much his body is going to be able to, how much, sorry, how much his body is going to be able to, to handle the, the confines and the rigors of a PGA Tour event. I, I think if that's, you know, can he walk 72 holes? Can he make it up and down the hills at Augusta? That's going to be the big question. It's not so much, you know, can he hit a wedge from 120 yards? It's, it's what his body is going to be able to handle and how much he can practice. He's talked about that, you know, a couple weeks ago in interviews. He said, I can't practice as much as I used to. He turned 46 next week. I, I think it's a big deal that he, he knows that his, his starts and his chances are going to be limited. He's going to have to pick his spots. I think we all know that the tournaments that he's going to have circled on the calendar just to be able to try and play, let alone get his game uh, in, in peak shape. Uh, but I, I think that, you know, forecasting what he's going to be able to do from here just based on those 36 holes, it's a little tough. Yeah, and I was thinking about just obviously the story of him being in this event is awesome, and it's a great comeback story. But 
just to think of him getting back on tour and the comeback story that that would be, given his age and given the extent of the accident and everything. Like, to me, it would be an incredible story. But also, if there's anybody that's going to do it, especially in the game of golf, it seems like Tiger Woods is the perfect fit for that. I mean, he's a guy that's had to overcome a lot, not only physically, but obviously uh, in his personal life and everything. So it just seems like every time you count Tiger out, he's always coming back, and he's always coming back with a vengeance. And I guess everyone's just hopeful, man, that he can come back. Because golf's great. Everyone enjoys golf. But we also know that uh, Tiger Woods moves the needle for golf more than anybody. Yeah, I think that this weekend did kind of answer the question of we are going to see him again eventually. And, and we weren't really sure about that three, four, five months ago. You know, if he was going to be able to stand up, let alone play a club, let alone play on a PGA Tour level. You know, immediately people are going to look to the Masters in April. It's, it's a long way away, but it's still, I think it's going to be difficult for him just because uh, Augusta National is low-key, one of the hardest courses on the PGA Tour to walk. It's way more hilly than uh, it's going to look on TV. So, uh, that that's still TBD. I would look to the summer at, at the Open Championship, the 150th Open. It's back at St Andrews. It's you know the old course. It's such an iconic venue. It's a place where he's won twice before, and that's a very flat piece of land. Which honestly, at this point, like that's going to be a big deal for him is is walking flat versus walking hills. So so those are probably two places that that folks are kind of earmarking of when we might see him back in in some form or another. He said, you know, I'm only going to be able to play a handful of times each year at best-case scenario. Uh, and, and I think that he's, he's come to terms with that, which is honestly pretty healthy, given, uh, you know, all the, as you said, all, all that he has been through. But, uh, you know, whether or not he's going to be able to win again on the PGA Tour or win another major, that's going to be, you know, tough to see or, or tough to really know at this point. We don't know enough about his body and enough about his game. But the question of will we see him play another tournament? Will we see him at the Masters again? Will we see him? Uh, in a major championship, I do think now the answer is yes. It's just going to be a matter of when. It was also awesome just to see his son out there, man, because he like the way he mimics all the smallest of things about Tiger. I mean, listen, if there's a golfer to mimic, Tiger Woods is not a bad golfer, but it, it, it's also just cool to see where there's probably a lot of expectations that are going to be surrounding Charlie, especially the more he plays in these events because like, he's Tiger Woods' son. But, man, he, he seemed like he's got all the tools and all the elements to – possibly be a great golfer if he continues down this path yeah i mean i i definitely don't want to be piling onto the poor 12 year old is trying to you yeah. know live, live in those uh shoes you know you think back to like michael jordan's kid playing at ucf and and those sort of you know just monsters expectations it's, it's tough to handle uh but a it did seem like he was having a lot of fun which was the whole point of that and b it, it is uncanny as you said just the the idiosyncrasies and the mannerisms and just how he how he twirls the club and how he steps off a divot and fist pump and raising the putter after he makes a putt all of those things I don't know whether it's you know natural it's from watching his dad do it whether he's been you know living on YouTube from Tiger you know in 2000 but he's got him he's got all those mannerisms that you know every golfer for the last 25 years has tried to copy and he you know certainly has a little bit of an innate advantage uh, being his son and it was just awesome to see it was really fun. Uh, like I said, there's, it's, it's very rare that you have, you know, must-see TV for golf in the middle of December, uh, but Sunday pretty much qualifies. Well, and it just seems like it's a cool event, especially if you're like a dad and you have a son or your kids and, and just the relationship that you have where you got kids from different ages in there and you got uh, dads that are obviously uh, very gifted at the game of golf and just to see like with John Daly winning it. And he says he was one of the, the proudest moments and the coolest moments he's ever had in his career just to go out there and play golf with his son and and to be able to, to take home the PNC championship, 
Like those are just the kind of the feel good stories that you love to see too. Where I mean, obviously you want to win it and you're competitive, but it's also not a major. It's not something that you know you got to bring your A game to, and there's so much on the line. It's just something that's really casual that a lot of the the common American people watching it can relate to when it comes to the father and son relationship. Yeah, I, and I think uh, you know there was a discussion of this on on social media over the weekend where I, I feel like one of the best traits or attributes of the game of golf is just the ability to bridge generations with shared experiences where you can go out, you can play the same course, you can hit the same shots, you know, year after year with a lot of people that you love. And I think everyone watching that particular round, you either have played with, you know, a parent or you've played with a child or both. And you really can relate to those sort of experiences where, yeah, it was, it was cool to see, you know, how Tiger looked and, and, you know, how much gas he's got in the tank and what his swing looks like. But it was really all about, you know, him playing with his kid and having this great moment and, and something that, a lot of people wondered if he was going to be able to have again after that car crash in February. So, uh, yeah, that, that definitely, you know, juiced the moment a little bit and made it that much more uh, entertaining and engaging for a lot of people watching at home. We're speaking with Will Gray of the Golf Channel here on Out of Bounds. Uh, Will, looking at John Daly and obviously his son, John Daly II, winning it, uh, that's, you know, of course got its own cool moment too. But it's also cool to see – like John Daly just being out there. And, you know, he, he's a, just such a big personality. And I saw the group picture where they're all together and he's dressed up as Santa Claus. Like, he's just a, he's just such a fun personality to be with. And, and to see his son also enjoying golf where he's a freshman at the University of Arkansas and you saw his Razorback stuff that he was wearing too. It's, it's, uh, it's just also cool to see how John has had that Im- kind of impact on him where he's wanted to follow down the same path too. What'd you make of his game? What'd you make of his golf game? Can he maybe get to that point where he could be like his dad, Big John? Yeah, he was good. I mean, we, we see, you, know, you talk about extrapolating the skill set of twelve-year-old Charlie Woods. I mean, John Daly II is, is good, and I think that you know his his merits uh, stand on their own. You know, from a, a junior golf perspective, from a collegiate player perspective, I think he's definitely got some chops. You know, it's you can you know span the Atlantic Ocean going from there to being on the PGA Tour, let alone winning a major or two majors as his dad did, but uh, you know, you can't teach some of the innate ability that people like John Daly II and Charlie Woods just have in, in that skill set. And you saw some of the shots coming down the stretch that, you know, little John put put up there and he's hitting, you know, he's flagging five irons from 230 and rolling in butts. And, and that's really what you need. Now, whether or not you're going to be able to, to go from there to being able to play, you know, week in and week out as a professional, there's a lot of hurdles he would have to cross. But, you know, clearly the love of the game is there right now. And, and the bond between those two was definitely on display this weekend. So got to look ahead to next year with all the majors and all the ideas of what golfers are going to be back and who's going to be healthy and who's going to be ready to go. How do you feel like the outlook is going to look for the 2022 year as far as majors, golfers that are looking really good, ones that you think that people need to look out for? How do you feel like it looks right now? Yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting uh, crop because it, we have a little bit of parity. You know, every now and then you've got ebbs and flows of golf where, you know, sometimes you'll have players like Dustin Johnson go on a run or Jordan Spieth, Jason Day where they've had, you know, listen, I own this six- or seven-month stretch, and I'm the best golfer in the world. We didn't really have that this year. You've got, like, five or six guys, whether it's John Rahm or Colin Morikawa, uh, Justin Thomas, DJ, Victor Hovland, really coming on strong at the end of the year, who are all going to be, you know, standing there and saying, listen, on any given day, on any given course, if I'm playing my best, I'm going to be able to take it down. So uh, I I do think that's interesting. I think Morikawa is really a guy to watch in terms of the generational talent, you know, with two majors already under his belt at such a young age. He's so polished, and his game is really consistent. Uh, so I expect uh, more big things from him. Um, but, but I do think that Hovland, who, who got a win at the Hero Challenge at, at Tiger's event, 
in December. I think he's another uh, case. If you want to look at guys who could potentially break through and get their first major, he's definitely going to be on the short list because he's got all the shots that you need. Uh, you know, the short game was a little bit of a weakness when he first turned pro, but he's definitely sharpened that in a big way. So when you look at, you know, the U.S. Open's going to Brookline outside Boston. You've got the, the Open uh, at St. Andrews, and the PGA is, is outside Tulsa at Southern Hills. So all of those venues seem to be places where a guy like Victor Hovland or Colin Markell would both fit in really well. If I had to place money on a, a veteran golfer, uh, an older guy out there to possibly uh, make a run, who, who would you put your money on? Uh, I don't know that I would say to, to bet on Phil Mickelson at 51, but I didn't say to bet on him at 50 either. So <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I don't know if Dustin Johnson qualifies. I, you know, he's 36, 37. If that's old these days, it certainly feels like they're given the, the youth movement of the PGA Tour. But, you know, it's amazing to think that, that he is going almost a calendar year without winning a golf tournament. That's very unlike DJ. And so it's, it's one of those things where eventually he's going to get back on the horse and get back in the winner's circle and, and straighten out some of the issues he had with the driver over the last few months. So, uh, you know, he's certainly uh, someone to watch. And then, honestly, someone that's coming on with a little bit of form. It's going to be very interesting to see him this year is Ricky Fowler, who just turned, I think, 33. So he's right on the cusp there of, like, are you are you old or are you young? We feel like he's, he's been 19 for a while. But, uh, you know, he had a really poor 2021 season. He's not in most of the big tournaments in 2022. But he started to show just enough signs of form toward the end of the year where you think maybe if, you know, you take a little bit of the break, use that time wisely. He's someone that could come out and have a little bit of a renaissance, maybe not quite to the extent that we saw from Jordan Spieth last year, but I do think that Fowler could be someone uh, that could put together a few good weeks, maybe get back into the top 50 in the world, get back in the field as one of the biggest events. Now, Will, I also know that uh, you do some uh, college sports coverage as well, and we know that the bowl season is going on and, and all that fun stuff, which I saw the ratings for bowl games. It's pretty incredible how high they are, considering that so many people think, ah, there's too many bowl games and – who cares about these teams and whatnot? Uh, just through the first week or so in uh, the first few bowl games, what have you made of it so far? Never discount a captive audience. When you've got a lot of people <laughs> with some time off, sitting at home, wrapping presents, doing shopping, you know, they'll turn on the, the famous Idaho Potato Bowl and they'll be happy with it. So, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I think that the ratings uh, speak for themselves. But, yeah, it's been an underdog uh, fest so far. I think six out of the first nine games uh, went to the dogs, and including a bunch of outright uh, upsets. So, uh, you know, my Gators are, are going to be on uh, Thursday. I, I'm not confident. I'll probably drive over to Tampa for that game. Not going to drive over for uh, Arkansas Penn State. But I, I fear that uh, Florida is going to get hammered by a very motivated UCF team. But at least I'll be there to watch. We'll see what what happens. Yeah, so since you're a Florida guy, what would you make of the hire, Billy Napier? Uh, how are you feeling about it? Because obviously the thing with Dan Mullen, it was insane how quickly that fell apart. Like, I, I mean, it's felt like everything was good, grand, and wonderful a year ago, and then boom, he's fired and you're moving on. But uh, what what'd you make of the end of the Dan Mullen era and also the Bill Napier? How did you feel about that hire? Yeah, well, Mullen fell apart quickly, but so did McIlwain and so did Muschamp. That kind of seems to be <laughs> yeah. the, the way it's gone the last 10 years. But once, once it sours in Gainesville, they're done. And then moving on, uh, there's no, like, Scott Frost, Nebraska, let's give him a a 17th year and see how it goes. That's not the attitude in Gainesville. So, uh, you know, you needed to bring in a disruptor. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic with the hire. I like that they just got a four-star transfer out of QB out of Ohio State today, Jack Miller. So that's hopefully going to solve the issue at, at QB because Emory Jones is on his way out. But, uh, listen, you know, Nick Saban is not going anywhere anytime soon. Kirby Smart and the dogs are, are not getting any weaker anytime soon. So you kind of needed to take a chance on a guy like Napier uh, and, and see if, if he's going to be able to turn this thing around. Obviously, 
you know, the big thing with Mullen was he was doing it with smoke and mirrors on the recruiting front. And as soon as the wind started to evaporate, you looked at the coverage and saw that he didn't really have the talent there. And so uh, recruiting is going to be, you know, one, one A, one B, and one C for Billy Napier. And he's going to have to really turn this around quickly uh, and get the right guys in and then start to put together a game plan there. But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll take my chances and see. And I'm certainly glad that uh, Scott Strickland locked him up before, you know, all, all hell broke loose with uh, Lincoln Riley and the coaching carousel that happened the two, three weeks after that. Yeah, it seemed, it seemed like they at least uh, got it done swift and soundly other than uh, not having a bunch of drama surrounding it. So uh, there's the silver linings of it all, too. And, and I know you're a Florida guy, Will, and since you mentioned Arkansas playing Penn State down in the Outback Bowl in Tampa, this is the first time Arkansas has ever played in the Outback Bowl, and I know that like I've been to Tampa before, but how familiar are you with the Tampa St. Pete area, and is there any th- suggestions, anything you throw out there for people to do down there while they're in Tampa? Yeah, definitely a solid spot. I would lean more towards the Tampa side than the St. Pete side. That's the whole reason the Rays got their stuck on an island over in St. Pete. There's not as much to do, but uh, yeah, you know, if you want to hit the beach scene, Clearwater Beach, very good, uh, right within a short drive from from Tampa. You know, the downtown district is very good. They got some sneaky good uh, restaurant options down over by the water there. You can't go wrong with seafood off the Gulf. So uh, it is it is a pretty good uh, spot. I would say I'm glad that they've gone away from the 11 o'clock local time kickoff that they used to have. For the Outback Bowl, back in the day, that was a little bit aggressive coming off of New Year's Eve. So uh, at least you guys will get another hour of sleep if, if fans are making the track. But uh, it should be a good game, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm hoping so. And uh, I know that uh, they got some stuff down at Ebor City, I guess, is kind of where the, the cool downtown area is also. is you know They got some stuff going on there. I'm just hoping I can go down there and, and meet Tom Brady. That's the one thing I'm hoping I can see. Just be walking around in the stadium facility, and maybe Tom Brady will be walking by. Yeah, you might have a better shot of just taking a boat out and waiting for him to throw the Lombardi trophy. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe I could do that, too. Maybe I could do that, too. But, Will, man, we appreciate you joining us, man. It's always good to catch up with you and talk golf here in December, no doubt about it. Uh, but enjoy your holiday week. Uh, holiday week. Merry Christmas, and I'm sure we'll be catching up with you later down the road. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you guys. Have a good one. I yeah, appreciate it. Again, that was Will Gray of the Golf Channel, as well as doing a lot of great college football content as well. The dude's all over the place, I can tell you that.